time? Yeah, there we go. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Bob Menser. I'm one of the teaching elders here. Um, and I've been in a series that uh, has the general series is called Patterns. Um, and I've been looking at something specifically called, uh, that I've named uh, Out of and Into. Um, uh, and I'm going to do a brief review, um, just so you kind of uh, catch up with, uh, into remembrance of what happened last, night, last week. Uh, but I want to begin with this particular slide, and uh, uh, it goes along with what Donovan was telling us and, and, uh, uh, and what our songs were. God is in pursuit of you. He wants all of you, and you want to give him all of you. Uh, and so that's what this series, in, in underneath it all, is saying, hey, God is saying, come, come, come on to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. And so he's after us, and... Uh, Last week, uh, the general title of the message was Out of and Into. Uh, and just by way of review, this is uh, Moses speaking uh, to God. And he said, And Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them, and who will lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep that which have no shepherd. And so we begin to see that God is, and this is one of the things Jesus said when he was talking about being the good shepherd. He said, I, I lead the sheep out of the sheepfold, and they hear my voice, and they follow me. And that following me is coming into what he has for you. Uh, when we look at uh, the New Testament, uh, we look at the, the idea that he wants to transform each of us. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. He is in the business of transforming us in, from the old man into the new man, into the image of the Lord God. And um, uh, that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to all be uh, Christ and behave like Christ and walk like Christ and think like Christ. Um, but we have this problem, which we talked about last week, uh, that we have the law of the Spirit of uh, Christ uh, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And you remember that I used the analogy that we're all subject to gravity. It's an unseen law. It's holding you in your chair. And it's the same that the law of sin and death is there. It is present. It holds you. But, as I talked about last week, there is another law. It's the law of aerodynamics. That's what allows you to get into a 900,000-pound airplane and defy the law of gravity. And God says, I have done away with the law of the spirit of sin and death, and I brought you into this new law, this law of the spirit. 
And so we're encouraged to live and walk by the Spirit. Uh, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. And so we become, believe it or not, we are spiritual people. And sometimes the flesh gets in the way and you have to say, no, I'm dead to that and alive to Christ. I'm alive in the Spirit. And my voice hearkens to His. Uh, I listen to His voice. And so today, uh, the title of the message today is called Taking Ground. And again, using that idea of out of and into, uh, from Genesis 12, we go forth from our country and from your relatives, from your father's house, into the land which I will show you. And so we get this idea that God wants to take us from one spot and into another. See, from Deuteronomy 1.8, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to them and their descendants after them. Now, if you're reading this from an Old Testament perspective, he's talking about the promised land. If you're reading it from a New Testament perspective, there are things that God has got for us in a new land that he wants us to walk into. He said, I've given you a new land to walk into. Go in and possess it. It's yours. From Exodus. Oh, wait a minute. You remember the account where Moses brings them out of slavery and into well he brings them into the wilderness let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness hmm well if we want to look at a pattern we do have patterns here. Remember when Jesus was baptized, and it says in Mark 1.12, and immediately the Spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness. When we look, maybe we'll look. At wilderness patterns, we begin to see that a journey into the wilderness happens. When Moses fled from Pharaoh, he went into the wilderness and spent 40 years in the wilderness. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. David, when he was fleeing from, from Saul, he spent time in the wilderness. Nobody's certain how many years, but Generally, it's consumed that he spent, assumed that he spent about seven years in the wilderness. Elijah, after this remarkable, remarkable victory at Mount Carmel, where God honors his sacrifice, 
Ahab and Jezebel say, you are a dead man walking. And what's he do? He takes off and he finds himself in the wilderness. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. Jesus his, spent his uh, 40 days and nights in the wilderness. And Paul, Paul, after his conversion, spends three years in uh, the wilderness of Arabia. There is a wilderness journey that we will all find ourselves in. Ooh, is this going to be pleasant? See, when you find yourself in the wilderness, you're finding yourself in struggles and in hardships. You have questions and you have temptations. The wilderness is a place of testing. The wilderness experience says that, uh, uh, tries to get you to understand that you have now been separated from Egypt. It's a place of preparation. It's a place of revelation. It's a place of learning. It's a place of direction. It's a place of new expectations. And it is when you are in the wilderness, before you come out of the wilderness, that God sees what's in your heart. From Deuteronomy 8. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, now I've had my own wilderness issues. And sometimes when you're in the wilderness, it is just, it's a difficult time. It could be disappointment. It could be a broken relationships. It could be financial issues. It could be any issue that has brought you low. And God says, what is in your heart during this time? How are you going to respond to your wilderness experience? Now, I will tell you that uh, years ago, I didn't tell my wife I was going to do this, but um, it was one of those, I had driven us into terrible, I had, not her, I had driven us into terrible financial, and you've heard me say this a number of times, but I'll go into a little more detail. I'd driven us into really terrible financial difficulty. I had credit card debts that were that high. Uh, I had bought two houses, so I had two mortgages. Uh, I was going to school, and believe me, when my paycheck came in, it was not even close and I was desperately trying to sell a house. Desperately. And I said, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Why won't you sell one? Now I'm telling you, don't do that. <laughs> It was not a good idea. And you know something? I stayed in the wilderness a lot longer. Because that was in my heart. God, you're not even. I got myself into the own trouble. God didn't get me there. And I just wanted him to fix it. Just fix it, Lord. Oh. 
For God sees not as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. <sighs> Dirty pool. See, I can look at the outside, and you can see perfect here, you know. Got a nice shirt on, stuff like that. I took a bath this morning. Some people were very glad about. God said, I want to know what's in the heart. He looks at the heart. You know, it's interesting. Well, no, I'll get to that in a minute. Hold that thought. Do you ever find yourself in the wilderness? Well, you know, the Lord has done a marvelous thing for us because when Israel came through the wilderness, he has had it written down how they responded. And it's written there for our instruction. So when I go over these next few things that we learn about how Israel responded in the wilderness, don't do them. They were following the cloud. Remember that? They had witnessed the ten plagues. They had witnessed the destruction of Pharaoh's army. And they find themselves in the wilderness. And when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, go up and possess the land which I've given you, so he told them to go into the land, you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You neither believed him nor listened to his voice. You have rebelled against the Lord from the day I knew you. Hmm. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, do we have that same attitude? Or how about this one? From Exodus 32. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is our God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He said, and I use the word obstinate because that's what God calls them. It means stubborn. I thought about that. I mean, we get set in our ways. Well, these were the gods of Egypt, so let's have this kind of God for us. And I thought about, well, you know, imagine next Sunday you show up here. Oh, you love this. And we do an hour and 20 minutes of worship and five minutes of sermon. We never do it that way. That's not how we do church. Oh, I liked it the old way. Yeah, why don't we go back to the old way? And we become set in our ways. This is the way it needs to be. We become stubborn. We don't become flexible. God says, I don't want you that way. I want you to be able to come out of who you are and into me. I've got to move along on these. But, uh, from Exodus 14. Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? 
For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. See, they regretted being in the wilderness. They regretted being brought out of slavery. I want to go back. Now, when I was first saved, man, did I, that really, I wanted to go back. Look what I'm missing. Look what I'm missing. God, you brought me out, saved me to kill me? Well, yes, he did, but we'll get there. And the sons of Israel said, Oh, would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you brought us into the wilderness to kill us this whole assembly with hunger. You know, I think about that, you know, they're grumbling. Do you ever grumble? It's so godly, isn't it? God loves a grumbler. Look at my faithful grumblers. My wife and I were talking about this this morning. I, I'm not on Facebook, you all know that, but I make fun of it anyway. Um, you know, people were complaining that there was no rain. Oh, there's no rain. When's it going to rain? When's it going to rain? Now it rained for a month. Oh, when's it going to stop raining? When's it going to stop raining? Grumble. Oh, I love to grumble. Okay. I'm just walking in the spirit, grumbling. Well, the next time you find yourself in the wilderness, think about that. Or complaint. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity. When it gets tough, remember that old saying, when it gets tough, the tough get going? Unless you want to complain about it. Oh, man, it's so hard. It's just so hard. You know how hard it is. Listen to my... We, Donovan, would you listen to me cry a little bit? It's really hard. You don't know what it's like. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, this is the way we behave. We hope not. Oh, they were jealous. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman, and they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Why is it always Moses, Moses, Moses? Why can't it be Miriam, Miriam, Miriam? And you know what happened to her? Leprosy. Oh, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Fear is easy to grab a hold of in the wilderness. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. It's, and then you start to think about what the worst is going to happen. I mean, I, I'm subject to all of that, too. I'm, I went to the doctor the other day in my annual checkup, and I'm thinking, well, what's he going to say now? What's wrong with me? What kind of, oh, you need to do this and this, and it's too bad about that. 
fear. They accused God, and I don't want to go into that one again, but that was sort of my, you have a, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, why won't you sell one? When we find ourselves in the wilderness, then so easy it's great to accuse God. You brought me in here, you did this to me, God. Why did you let that happen? From Hosea. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me. For there is no Savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud, and they forgot me. See, it's one of those things that sometimes when you get out of the wilderness, you go, whoo, I don't want to go back there. God? He didn't have anything to do with it. I got myself out of this. And we, we forget that we were the ones who were, God, help me. Well, the wilderness experience always exposes our heart. Well, enough of this wilderness series. Peter reminds us that in verses 6 through 7, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while is necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How you respond during these times of trouble is going to be critical to how you walk with him. In the wilderness, where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp, a fire by night, a cloud by day, to show you the way in which you should go. A remembrance in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your world wilderness situation. God is right there next to you. He's carrying you just as a father carries his son. And he's leading you and saying, ah, this is the way I want you to go. And if you're grumbling and complaining and making accusations, you're not going to hear his voice. He says, I, I want to take you into this land that I've purchased for you. It's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. He is in pursuit of you. He is bringing you into the image of his son. He is transforming you from the old man to the new. So, if we can't go back 
and we can't stay where we are, we must move forward. And that is where Deuteronomy 11 tells us, for the land which, into which you are entering to possess it is not the, like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed in water with it uh, and your foot like a vegetable garden, but the land into which you are about to cross to possess, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land from which your God, the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. See, he wants to take us into this new land, a land that's not like the land that you're used to. It has, it's different. And he says, I want you to possess it. I want to bring you out of the old man into the new. I want to bring you out of death into life. I want to bring you out. I want to bring you out into something absolutely new, absolutely different. Well, it looks like we're going to stay here. There we go. Now, I found, this is actually, this is the passage that this whole message is built on. Joshua 18, 1 to 4. Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, how long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord God your fathers has given you. Jesus Christ bought things for you. He gave them to you. Come in and take it. How long? How long before you go in and take it? It's yours. It was purchased. My son gave it. He shed his blood. There are two passages in Corinthians. One passage is in 1 Corinthians. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the word or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you. All things have been given into his hands, and he has given them into your hand. Oh, I'm, I'm just anxious. You don't have to be anxious. I died. He said, I died for your anxiety. Well, I'm depressed. I died for your depression. Well, I don't know what to do. I died so that you can be led by my spirit. As many as may be the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore, by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. How long 
before you go in and take the land that he has bought for you. Now, what I'm going to do next, I think, maybe yes, maybe no, The devil's greatest fear is that we will discover who we are in Christ and what belongs to us that we may take possession of our inheritance. See, as long as, as long as, as long as you don't know any better, he doesn't care. But when revelation comes, that and this is the land that I have bought for you. This is what I have given you. Go in and take it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Blessed be the God and Father, 1 Peter 1, 3, 5 writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith, protected by God. God surrounds you. He keeps you, and he says, let's go in. I don't want to. There are giants there. Why don't you take the land that I bought for you? So, what I'm going to do is I don't want you to think that this is a complete list. It is not. But when you are in the wilderness, you need something to hold on to. And these are simple things that have been purchased for you that you need to learn to hold on to when you find yourself in that wilderness experience. When it's dry, when it's dark, when you think it'll never end, what can you reach back? And the first thing that I thought, ooh, well, we just went through them all. Did you get those? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, there we are. Whoo, 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. You would be surprised at the number of people who cannot at least grasp that simple thought. God loves you. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Donovan talked about love. And he said, if God loved you when you were an enemy, how much more that you've come into the kingdom will he not love you? God loves you. You must grab a hold of that. And as a result of his love, that you can be called a child of God. And that's hard sometimes for people to say. I'm a child of God. God loves me. And then you have an accuser. There's the accuser's voice right away. 
How could God love you? Uh-oh, Michael. You, looked, you gave me eye contact. How could God love you? The way you play those drums. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I might as well, we have children in here. Our children could do better than that. How could God love you? See, and the accuser comes along and tries to steal that fundamental fact. God loves you. God loves you. And as a result of that love, you are a child. It says, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called his children. So when you find yourself in the wilderness and the voice comes along, the voice of temptation, the voice of accusation, what do you grab a hold of? God loves me. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. I'm a child. I'm a child of God. No, you're not. Don't you know all the bad things you do? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. He said, I love you. And that's a fundamental building block that in the midst of your wilderness trial, you need to grab a hold of. Colossians 1, 3, 14. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have Two things, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He has bought you, and he has forgiven you. And again, the accuser will come along and say, how could, do you know what you did? Yeah. How could God forgive that? But he did. See, on that cross, all of your sins were forgiven. The ones that you did in the past, the ones you're going to do today, and the ones you're going to do tomorrow, forgiven. And you need to be able to stand on that and grab a hold of it. I have been bought with the blood of Christ, and I have been forgiven. And in the midst of a trial, in the midst of that dark wilderness journey, which all of us are going to have, some of you have... I realize that some of you have gone through very dark places. But just, God loves me. He's forgiven me. He's bought me. Grab a hold of those. Acts 2, 28. You have made known to me the ways of life. And that's what Donovan was talking about here earlier this morning to know him. He's revealed himself. He's revealed himself in Christ Jesus. He's revealed himself by the Holy Spirit. He's revealed himself. He says, I want you to know me. I want you to have fellowship with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to come in and possess the land that I've given you. Certainly you're going through a tough time. What are you going to grab a hold of? Are you going to grumble and complain? Yeah, well, God, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Snort, snort. I'll tell you a thing of God. Why did I have to come? <laughs> you know, 
The church down the street doesn't do any of this preaching like that. They always say, they play rose petals all the time. I'm going down there. I don't have to listen to this. He said, I want to make my ways known to you. And you know, as a result of that, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. You know, I think that's one thing we need a lot more of in the church. Gladness. Oh, I'm going to church. Boy. Man, let me worship you. The God who sent me, who brought me, who given me these things. <laughs> let my heart be filled with joy and not bitterness and anger and hostility. Because he sees that. <laughs> Why? With what I bought you. Why, why are you filled with that? Go in and possess the land. And he made him who knew no sin to be sinned on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Man. You go ahead and say that ten times. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am righteous. Well, I just saw how you were acting. I'm righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. In the midst of a trial, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous. God loves me. I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven. Grabbing a hold in the midst of accusations and trials and troubles. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You guys are Gentiles. So that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, the Spirit has been poured out if you were a Jew in the Old Testament, it would come upon you occasionally. It would come upon some people. But in this new age, my spirit is in you. I've given you my spirit that you may walk. You may listen. He, I've adopted you. He will lead you into all truth. Listen. I want to show you the way out. Listen to me. I can't. I'm too busy grumbling. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Whew. See, if we don't grab a hold of these promises, if we don't go in and take this land that's been given us, we're just going to wander in the wilderness. Wander around and say, what's God doing? What's God doing? Why am I in the wilderness? I want to go back.
When you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. See, your position is not here. He's given you a spiritual place, spiritual land to sit with him. You're seated with me, says he. See, Deuteronomy, I want you to see this. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not be fear, do not fear, or be dismayed. Go up and take the land. That's the title. Taking ground. And it doesn't matter where you are today. God is just saying, hey, there's land to be taken. There's land in your life, and you know what that's like. I don't. You know where you are. I don't. But he does, because he looks at the heart. And he says, come, let's go take the land. I bought it. It's yours. Oh, God. Thou art my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Sometimes I'm in the wilderness and it's so dry there. It's so overpowering. It's so haunting. But I beheld you in your sanctuary, and I see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will honor you, Lord God. I will surrender to you and help me take this land that you have for me to take. Amen. Amen. Now, because this is the first Sunday of the week, we are going to have time to take communion. So if you don't have a communion cup and wafer, make sure you get one. 